Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? I don't know about you, but I am pumped about the baptism we just saw. It is so exciting to see that God is continuing to work in our community. I want to welcome everyone joining us for our church at home experience. We're so glad that you're here with us today. I want to give a special shout out to those of you who are part of the Eden family. You know that we have so much love for you. Your faithfulness, your consistency, your engagement over the last few months has been such an encouragement to us. And we just want you to know that we know we wouldn't be able to see what God, all that God is doing in this community without your faithfulness. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I also want to give a special shout out to those of you who are joining us here for the very first time. I want you to know we are especially glad that you've decided to be a part of the conversation today. Our prayer for you is that somewhere along the next 30 minutes of this service, there would be value added to your life, that you would begin to see that God is working all around you more than you did before you came to this service. And, um, and we just want you to know that there is a God who loves you deeply and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. My name is Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here at Eden Church, and we're all about helping people become all that God dreamed they could be. And I am so pumped that today we are continuing in a series we started last week called Rise Up. And this series for us has been a challenge to reclaim some of what we have lost along the way. Now, I shared with you last week, there was a time when I was a kid and I decided to spray paint my shoes because I was pursuing a fashion career. No, that's not true, but I did spray paint my shoes. But what was interesting is by the end of the day, nearly all the paint had chipped off of my shoes and they looked horrible. And I think sometimes that is a picture of our lives as well, that somewhere along the way we have become a shell of who we thought we were supposed to be. Maybe it was middle school, we lost a little bit of our confidence. And then high school, we lost a little bit of our trust. And then college, we lost a little bit of our purity. And then it was our first job and our first girlfriend that kept sort of chipping away, or boyfriend that kept chipping away at who we were. And by the end of it, when we look in the mirror, we hardly recognize the person that we are. And I think in a way that is really healthy that some of us have maybe gained a greater self-awareness of who we are. But I think there are some things that many of us have lost along the way that if we want to live a life that honors God, we have to reclaim it. We have to get it back. And so last week, we started talking about how to get back our vision. And we realized that if we're going to get back our vision, we have to get back to God because it is only in God that we can truly have a vision for our life, that we have a vision that is centered and, and ordered and built on God. And so we started this reading plan to get back into his word so that we can begin wrestling with who scripture says we are. And, and I'll just tell you, we had over 50 people sign up to be a part of this reading plan. And it has been amazing to see the comments and the insights and the experiences and the humility, the vulnerability that people are sharing as we've been conversing with each other over, over these devotions and over this scripture. And so I want to just give a huge shout out to those of you who signed up to be a part of the reading plan. It's been so, so awesome. But today we're going to change gears just a little bit and we're not going to talk about getting our vision back, but instead we're going to talk about getting our peace back. Now, I don't know if you need to hear that conversation today, but if you're like me, 
Having peace in the midst of so much uncertainty has been a challenge. And so today we're going to unpack that. We're going to look at it. But before we get started, I want to take a moment just to pray. We don't normally do this on the beginning, on the front end of a service, but I want to take some time for us just to surrender our hearts to God for the next 30 minutes. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice. God, we thank you that you have given us a way out of the chaos. You've given us a way out of the darkness, out of the worry, out of the fear. And God, I pray today that we would reclaim our peace, that we would reclaim the thing that you died so that we can have. Lord, I thank you for every person listening and viewing today and ask that you would be with us, that you would give us the courage to step into the peace that you died so we could experience. We thank you in, for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to do that this morning, we're going to be looking at the New Testament. And the New Testament is the second half of the Bible. And it's the part of the Bible that talks about the life of Jesus and the development of the early church. And we're going to be reading a letter written by a guy named Paul. He was a spiritual entrepreneur. He was a church starter. And he was one of the most influential people, influential church leaders in the first century. And he's writing a letter to a community located in the city of ancient Philippi. And he's writing this letter to encourage this community. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. He says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's Peace. I want you to write God's peace in the comments section of wherever you're viewing this. I want, I want that to, to start sticking with us right now. God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And verse 8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excel excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This morning, I want us to start getting comfortable with this idea of getting our peace back. And so I want to challenge you right now as you're viewing this to just write in the comment section of wherever you're viewing this that I'm going to get my peace back, right? I'm going to get my peace back. I know that there are a lot of us who have struggled with this. And I just, maybe as we process the conversation this morning, how many of you would say that over the last few months you felt uniquely worried, you've experienced anxiety, you've experienced a higher level of stress going on in your life, and somewhere along the way all of these little things that you're experiencing throughout the day and throughout the week begin slowly chipping away at your peace. You might be wondering why. Like, why do we worry so much? Where does it come from? Why, why is my mind so automatically driven to worry over peace? Well, I think that for so many of us, we are driven towards those things because we are programmed. We have programmed our minds toward those things. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I, I literally thought that my family was cursed. I mean, our cars broke down all the time. I didn't know any family whose cars 
had broken down and left them stranded on the side of the road as often as that happened to our family. I mean, we literally had like water gushing out of our radiators. We had our engines catching on fire. We had tires falling off our car. I can't tell you how many cars we owned where the gas gauge was broken and then we would run out of gas on the freeway somewhere. It was a traumatizing childhood. I mean, if we went a month Without being broke down on the side of the road, we were praising God and we were going to church every single week, thanking the Lord for his faithfulness. But it's interesting how what happened to me as a kid began to program the way that I think about driving in cars. And to this day, if there is like any abnormality in the driving and the feeling and the smell and the sound of my car, I literally start to panic. I can't tell you how many times I've pulled over on the side of the road to check to see if my tire was falling off. Okay, it's crazy. It's weird. It's not reasonable, but it's part of how I process what's going on. If I smell a weird sound, I think that our engine is catching on fire. And, 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 and when any of this happens, I'll get real serious in the car and I'll say, be quiet. Turn the radio down. Boys, stop talking. I got to listen to the sound to see if we're about to die. Right? It's crazy. But I get anxious and I get worried in these moments. And I wonder maybe if some of you worry like I do. Right? Like your mind just goes down this rabbit trail of thoughts. And you start to just worry and your heart gets filled with anxiety. Maybe you're like taking this test and you're like, I have to do well on this test because I have to get good grades because if I get good grades, then I'll get into the school that I want to. And if, and, and if I don't get into that school, then I'm not going to get the degree that I want from the program that I want. And if I don't get the degree, then I won't get the job and I won't marry the person that I want to marry. And then if I don't marry them, then, I'm, then we're not going to have kids. And that might be okay because if we did have kids, we'd have to send them to school. And, and there's sex and drugs and, and rock and roll and school. And, and, and they're going to be dangerous. And then if they graduate from school, somehow make it through that myriad of difficulties then they have to go to college and how are we going to pay for their college education and and all of it is like built upon how you're going to do on this one test there's some of us i think that feel like our peace is being taken hostage by our thoughts i love what one pastor says he says your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts And I want to ask you a question this morning. Where are your thoughts leading you? If some of us were to be honest, the way that we would answer that question is that some of our thoughts are leading us to a life with less and less peace, less and less comfort and confidence about the future. For many of us, we live this way because our brains have been programmed to respond to triggers that take you to an unhealthy place. And that's why sometimes over the last few months you've been laying in bed thinking about the future and the uncertainty of it all or you've been thinking about your child's education or you've been thinking about your finances or you've been thinking about your relationships. And, and, and as you think about those things, there are triggers that are happening in your heart and day by day and week by week, they're slowly just chipping, chipping away at the peace in your life. And if that's you, you do not have to live like that. In fact, when we think about all that God says about who we are, when we think about God's vision for our life, a life of worry and fear is so far 
from the life that God says we could have. Look at what he says. Whenever we hear God, he describes himself. He talks about often that he is a God of peace. Whenever we see the, the leaders of the early church writing to their community, they say grace and peace to you. God says, let your hearts not be troubled. Do not fear. And, and even look at this passage. Paul says right here, be anxious for nothing. And in a sense, what he's saying is that you don't have to be anxious. You don't actually have to worry. You don't actually have to be afraid. It's possible to go into a job interview and after the interview not worry or be anxious about what the outcome is going to be. It's possible to have a serious conversation with a friend and not be concerned about the relationship on the back end. It's possible to go on a date and, and engage in a relationship and not be worried about what they think about you. It's possible to think about the uncertainty of the future and to still have peace. And I love that in this passage, what Paul does is he gives us a template for how to get our peace back. And so we're going to talk about two things today. First, we're going to talk about prayer, and then we're going to talk about focus. But the first thing that Paul tells us to do is he says, pray. Instead of worry, pray. And he's saying, don't just pray when you really, really think you need prayer. Don't wait to pray until you've tried everything else. Don't use it as a last resort. But he says, literally, pray about everything, right? Some of you may not understand that. I know that I try to keep it like culturally relevant. Everything is another way of saying everything. Paul says pray about everything. And this is why he says it. Look at what it says in verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. I don't know where you're watching this, but right now I just want you to say it out loud or in your heart. God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Paul is saying that through prayer we experience peace. Because prayer does two things. One, it changes and moves God's heart. And the second thing it does is that it renews our minds. And it's interesting to think that, uh, that prayer can actually impact the way that we think. But, but in a sense, we have a lot of science to back this up. For a long time, uh, scientists, neuro, neurologists, didn't think that the brain could change after early childhood development. But in recent years, there's been research to suggest that it can, and it's called uh, neuroplasticity. And, and, and as they began understanding that the brain can still change, there was a group of scientists that began un trying to understand the impact of faith on the brain. And what they found was that prayer actually has the ability to change the brain. Dr. Carolyn Leaf said, that it's been found that 12 minutes of daily prayer over eight weeks can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Prayer has the ability to renew the mind. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so in a sense, what Paul is doing as he's talking to the church in Philippi is he is equipping people with prayer as a way of fighting back against the triggers that cause you to worry. And I know that for so many of us, when we think about worry or we think about anxiety, it's something that we think, okay, we definitely shouldn't do this. It's not helpful or beneficial to whatever vision we're trying to accomplish in our life. It's not a good thing. But I think in a sense, Paul is taking this one step further because in Romans chapter 8, Paul actually calls worry sin. 
He says, when your mind is on the things of the flesh, you begin to live according to the flesh. And so as we think about why worry is such a serious thing for us to begin to tackle, Paul is saying that it is a sin that is slowly destroying your life. And the sin of worry is the sin of not believing that God is strong enough to influence your situation, that God is not powerful enough to give you the peace and the hope that you need in life and in unique circumstances. And so Paul is saying, pray. Pray and you will experience peace. And what's beautiful about this is that there really isn't anything special about the words in our prayers. There's just something really powerful about the process of surrender. Because prayer is simply talking to God. It's conversating with God. And I wonder if, if you've ever had a friend in your life that whenever you talk to them, you seem to just like have a better sense of your own self-awareness. You have a better sense of the world around you. And, and you walk away feeling like what you think is in alignment with the reality that you're living and you walk away feeling encouraged. Well, that is like God times a million. That is what it, it means to converse with God. That is the byproduct of praying to God. It is that in the time that we spend with Him, in the moments that we're in fellowship with Him, slowly our brain begins to align with His. Our hearts begin to align with His. Our spirit begins to align with His. And the things that we were worried about all of a sudden get placed into perspective in light of a God who loves and values our life and promises that He will care for us. That is the power of prayer. And that is why Paul tells us to pray instead of worry. The second thing is Paul tells us to focus. Paul said, I'm going to choose to focus on good things. He says, fix your eyes on what is true, then you will have peace. Now you need to understand that when we talk about focusing on the good things, we are not saying to live in denial about all the negative things that are going on around you. In fact, there are some of us that have chemical imbalances in our brain. Like there are things that, that are happening physiologically in our brains that require medication, that require professional help. And so this is not to undermine that reality that is true for so many of us. But what we are saying is that it is a choice to think about the things that are true. And it's, and it's when Paul tells us to focus, what we're doing is we're embracing what we can do. Like if we want to have better, be in a better financial situation, we can budget. If we want to get healthy, we can eat healthy. If we want to do well in school, we can study. In leadership, in, in managerial leadership, this is called input goals, right? Those are the things that we can control. Focus on the things that we control. But it's also a commitment to let go of the things that only God can control. To let God do what only He can do and to trust that He sees me, that He hears me, and that He has everything under control. Because what Paul is telling us, in a sense, is that peace is not a destination. It is a decision. That we can choose where our minds go. And that's why Paul tells us that we must take every thought captive. It is like this wrestling match that we are fighting for. It is a fight to stay focused on the things that are true when so much of what we are hearing is garbage and detrimental and harmful to our minds. 
I want to ask you a question. If your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you like where your thoughts are taking you? Do you like where your thoughts are taking you? One thing that we are learning is that peace is a decision. It is not a destination. And there are some of us right now that are waiting till every circumstance in our life is perfect. There are some of us that are waiting for us to go back to the old normal, for us to start thinking that we can have peace. There are some of us that are thinking that we're going to wait till we go back to church for us to have, to have peace. But what you're learning is that if you are waiting for a life of perfection, you will always lack peace. You will always lack peace. A friend once told me that peace is an inside job. If we're going to have peace, it's not going to be in light of everything that's going on out here. It's going to be a result of what is transforming here. And for those of you who battle like I do, can you imagine that it's even possible to have a life where there's uncertainty or where things didn't work out the way you thought they were or where there's conflict in your life or where there is is a whole bunch of uncertainty and there's health issues and yet in the midst of all of that you still have peace that is what Paul is telling us is possible and I know that some of you may be questioning like how does Paul know that how does Paul think that when we started planting the church we were encouraged to read a lot of books about church planting to get an idea of how you do it And I remember reading so many books, probably 20 books on church planting. But I remember there was a category of books written by authors who, when they talked about how to plant a church, it seemed like it just didn't ring true with our experience. And then later I came to find out that these authors never actually planted a church. Like they never actually did it. And I think that it's possible for us to hear Paul writing these words imagining that he's like some kind of Instagram star on a beach in Maui telling us to stay positive when I'm home alone on a Friday night eating Mickey D's for the third day in a row, right? But that's not Paul. Paul is writing these words in prison, in a Roman prison, dank, cold, isolated, wet, dark, by himself. He wasn't in some ivory tower or some lush palace. He wasn't in some Airbnb on the coast. He's in the middle of a situation that if any one of us were in may cause a huge degree of worry. And he's saying, you don't have to worry about anything, but pray about everything. Let God know what you're going through and what you need. And His peace will guard your heart as you pray. Fix your eyes on the greatest truth about who you are. What God says is true about you. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I don't know what worries you're experiencing right now in this season of life. But I know that so many people in our church and in this community and all around our country are having to battle with things they've never had to battle before. People are having to fight against old habits that they kicked in the past but are coming coming back out right now because, because all of their security and all of their comforts are beginning to fall by the wayside. And I don't know what that is for you.
I don't know what battle you're facing today. But what I want to challenge you in is to begin believing that God can give you peace through prayer. I want to challenge you this week to take an action step in light of our conversation this morning. And this week, I want you to start waging war against the worries in your life. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pick them off one by one. And this week, I want you to focus and to think about, identify the greatest worry in your life. The thing that keeps you up at night. The thing that when you're driving on the freeway, you just start thinking about. Whenever you have free space in your brain, you start just agonizing or, or pondering this worry. And I want you to identify what that is in your life. And then I want you to combat that worry with a promise. Every time that worry comes to mind, I want you to quote these words. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. And God's peace will guard your hearts and your mind. Today, let's get our peace back. I don't know how you lost it. I don't know how long it's been gone. I don't know how deep the pain is for you. But why not today we make the decision to get our peace back? I think that what you're going to start realizing as we talk about how we get back the things that we've lost over the course of this series, you're going to find that so much of where we find renewal, where we find redemption is going to be in the quiet undistracted, God-focused moments of the day. I know that there are some of you asking the question, I'm not sure if I have ever had peace, so where do I find it? How do I begin praying for peace right now when my entire life I feel like has been off-center? There has been one prayer that for every single one of us has changed the game, and it is the prayer for us to surrender to God once and for all. And so this morning, if that's where you're at in your life, where you have been trying to do it your way, you've been trying to hustle as hard as you can, you've been running as hard as you can, you've been networking as hard as you can, you've been, you've been white-knuckling it, trying to be tough, trying to use willpower to change what's happening on the inside, and now you are tired and worn out because none of what you have tried is actually delivered on what you thought it was going to give you. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to surrender your heart to God. To just give it to Him. Because that's why He sent His Son. So that you could have peace in this life. He didn't give you life so that you would be burdened and worried and overwhelmed every day. He gave you life to have peace and to be a light to those around you. And I know that so many of you have lived such difficult lives, it's hard to even believe that, but this morning I want to encourage you to have faith, to take that step out of the old life and into the new by trusting that there's a reason you showed up here this morning. And it's because there's been a God at work in your life even when you didn't know it, even when you didn't want Him to be. He's been tapping at the door of your heart. And for whatever reason, you decided to be a part of the conversation today because He had a word for you. 
He had hope for you. He wanted something for your life that you didn't even think was possible. And this morning, if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer of faith with me right now. I want to encourage you to close your eyes wherever you are and bow your head and pray this prayer of surrender. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeing me at my worst and not giving up on me. Thank you, God, for having a greater vision for my life than I have for myself. God, thank you for sending your son to wipe away every regret, every evil decision, every dumb mistake, and giving me the chance to walk in the rest of my life with a brand new heart. God, today I want to surrender my life to you. Because right now I feel like your love is so great and I want more of it. God, today I want you to come into my heart. I want you to change me from the inside out. I want to be a new creation. Today I trust in you. Amen.